Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 198 of Living Off the Land, and it's Tuesday night, and you know what that means. Welcome in. We are coming to you from our normal LOTL studios. I'm Dan here with Twitterless Steve. Steven, how we doing? Still hanging, still Twitterless, and still fab. All right. Fab? Fab. Fab. Okay. That what the kids say these days? I don't know. Holy smokes. I forgot I forgot about how uh, pungent. Well, apparently I'm not ready to start a podcast because I don't put my phone on silent. Moron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Forgot how pungent this beer is. Uh, beer of the week this week. Coming to you from the mean streets of Middleburg Heights. The mean streets of Indian Creek Estates, pal. <laughs> Coming from Fathead's Brewery, this is the beer that I always call it, not not to make a drug reference, but it's my gateway to the IPA world. Hop Juju Imperial IPA from Fathead's, award-winning, it says. Hmm. And this one is, this is a beer that they, excuse me, champ hacking up a lung back there. Uh, This is a beer that they only brew seasonally. And I saw on their Instagram that it was coming out and I saw it at uh, Max Beverage. Shout out on Ridge Road. Shout out to Max. Uh, Great selection of beer. If you're looking for anything, uh, head on over there. And they had it. Hop Juju in 16-ounce uh, cans, four one-pint cans. Hop Juju is 9% ABV, 100 IBUs. Holy smokes. And it is described as an otherworldly brew by the box that I bought it in. Uh, let's bring up some of the... So you're saying this is completely unlike a certain beer that you would call water. This is, yes. this is not this is, like that. The literal antithesis. Mm. This has this has so much body to it. Let me see. Let's see here. Hold on. Let me go to. Oh, where is it? Come on. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what he's looking for, but this ought to be good. Well, I'm just looking uh, the beer advocate uh, write up of. In the meantime, get out to your local Fatheads Brewery. Uh, two locations. <laughs> thanks for one the, in, thanks one for in North Olmsted at uh, Lorraine and Columbia Road, and then at the other, the much bigger, newer location, uh, just off I-71 in Middleburg Heights, uh, just off of Engel Road as well. Uh, I've been to both locations. I went last at the Middleburg location, I think, just before COVID shut really? down. Really? You've been there? And uh, Yeah. Interesting. Oh, absolutely. Well, you're not a beer guy. I know they have food there, but... Their food's excellent too. Yeah, and and they have that you know cute little gift shop in there as well at the Millerberg Heights location. Um, definitely worth a worth the time. In fact, you if you go to the Millerberg Heights location, they actually have tours at the uh, at that facility where they uh, it's almost they have these like 
murals on the walls. You like go past the um, the areas where they actually brew the beer. So it's it's actually really cool and interactive. Here is the uh, description of Hop Juju. Uh, the magical hops cast their spell. The natives chant and the drums beat. First, let us confirm that there are no there is no witchcraft used in creating this fine brew. None, really. Well, maybe a little. A supernatural beer with a powerhouse of hops, creating aromas of flavors of citrus, pine, and tropical fruit, with a juicy resiny hop finish. Hakuna Matata. Hmm. So. That is the description, and on Beer Advocate, it gets a world-class score of 98. Whoa. This, according to Beer Advocate, is one of the best beers in the world. Uh, I agree. This is one of my favorite beers um, that I've ever had. Like I said, this is, this, is, this is the beer that, interestingly enough, this is the beer that got me into drinking IPAs, because the reason why I didn't like drinking IPAs is because I thought they were too bitter, too piney. Like, to me, when I first started drinking IPAs, it tasted like I was drinking a pine tree. Oh, wow. I used to say it was like drinking pine saw. <laughs> and one time on the podcast, I said Lysol instead of pine saw, and Jordan never let me live it down. <laughs> but guess what? They're You're both not... cleaning products. I don't know what was up his about uh, that. Well, guess what? You're not on the podcast anymore, so you don't get to do that to me. Um, well, anyway, I will say, uh, so... This is not a cheap beer. I'll just say this right now. Uh, this was thirteen ninety nine at Max Beverage. Fourteen. Yeah, it is not cheap. But I will say, it it comes in a four pack. If you drink two of these, you're feeling right. You're feeling. You're feeling it. You're feeling it. So as far as beers go, this is like a, a porterhouse steak. You, you pretty much eat one of those and. You're not going to be eating again for a while. And it's higher priced, obviously, but it tastes great. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. So I love Hop Juju. I definitely would buy this again. Uh, I get it anytime it's on tap at Fatheads. And this is up there for me, guys. This is up there. Uh, I'm going to go 8.9 on this oh, one. Oh, that's the biggest rating you've given in a while. High score for this one. I think. Nice. Uh, I, I would say that the only score higher that I've given would probably be Spooky Tooth from Fatheads. Maybe Hayes Jude from Platform is up there as well, but uh, this is up there. And I will tell you this, if you like beers that are very IPA-y, that's a term that we use a lot on LOTL, that are very piney, you will absolutely adore Hop Juju. It is fantastic. So... All right. That is what I will be drinking throughout tonight's episode. And, yeah, that is the beer of the week. Once again, Fatheads Brewery, located in North Olmsted, corner of Lorraine and Columbia, and in Middleburg Heights, uh, between Angle Road and I-71, just off of Bagley. So, uh, again, go on out there. Great great times, great food, great IPAs. Very ipa <laughs> Very ipa It's the first time I've ever said that on this podcast. Probably be the last. Uh, all right, so let's move right on in. Let's get this episode going. We're going to do our next installment of Better Know a Neighborhood. Take it away, Steve. Where, yes, where are we? Where are we going tonight? Okay, well, so far, uh, we've knocked off three neighborhoods in Cleveland, Camps Corners, Asia Town, and Old Brooklyn. So far, we've, we've not really spent a whole lot of time on the east side, and with February being Black History Month, I thought it was appropriate that for this week and next that we hit two of the more prominent African-American neighborhoods in Cleveland. 
Uh, this neighborhood actually started out not so much as that. It was actually a, an old school labor, very factory heavy part of Cleveland. Uh, located just to the west of the city of Euclid in Cleveland's northeast corner is the neighborhood of Collinwood. Collinwood um, is, a, is an area that w pretty much grew up when the railroads became big in the uh, late part of the, t the 19th century and then became highly industrialized in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, major corporations like General Electric, uh, Ford Motor Company, General Motors, all had operations there. Uh, in fact, Lincoln Electric and Eaton did as well. Uh, in more recent times, Lincoln Electric and Eaton have moved a little bit further out into Beechwood, into Euclid. Uh, meanwhile, General Electric, with the decline of their lighting business, um, a lot of their factories went under back in the 70s and 80s, and the areas kind of hollowed out a bit, particularly on the south end of the neighborhood. But I'm not going to stress too much on the neighbor on the negative here. So Collinwood, if you look at it geographically, it's basically a trapezoid in the northeast corner. On one side... On the west side, it's bordered by East 131st Street. In the south, by Woodworth Avenue, Noble Road, and St. Clair Avenue. Uh, and then in the east, it's bordered on East 200th Street, and then up in the northeast on East 185th Street. And then in the north, obviously, Lake Erie being the border there, if you can kind of just visualize that. Uh, Lake Erie was is also a major selling point here in this neighborhood. You have some great parkland at the top of Euclid Creek, which runs through the neighborhood from uh, southwest to northeast. There's a major re Metro Parks reservation actually just across the border of the neighborhood going southbound. But as you get north of 90, it uh, and actually north of Lakeshore Avenue, which is route State Route 283, Euclid Creek. Uh, hits its terminus at Lake Erie near Wildwood Park and Euclid Beach Park, which back in the day actually used to be a really cool um, sort of amusement park area. It's nowadays just a just mostly a, a, a green space. Uh, there's actually a script Cleveland sign at the, uh, the mouth of Euclid Creek, which is one of, I believe, five Cleveland signs in, in the region. You have that one. You have the one in Tremont. Uh, you've got the one in Lakewood. I think that there's one at Edgewater, and then there's there's one more randomly somewhere else, uh, maybe in oh at Voinovich Park downtown. So uh, it gives you a really nice view out of the lake all the way to the city from there. Then the, um, within the neighborhood itself, again, mo much of the rest of it, it's kind of split in half. You have a, ma a major residential neighborhood to the north of I-90. You then have another residential neighborhood to the <laughs> south of I-90, and then right along I-90 you have lots of, again, this is what used to be your factory row. Uh, you do st still have some major employers in the area. Jurgens has a major operation there. Mm -hmm. uh, it, right around there, also, uh, CSX uh, Trains has, has a major operation there, obviously. That's fact, uh, fun fact. The Collinwood High School, their, their nickname is the Railroaders, uh, hearkening back to their uh, days as a major railroad and transportation hub. Uh, also right in that little corridor just south of 90, you have the Greater Cleveland Food Bank and the, I believe the, was it the City Mission? No, it's not the City Mission. There's another, pro oh, the Social Security Administration is also right there. Of greater interest in, in this neighborhood, uh, I'm going to point out just a few points of interest. You've got the Beachland Ball and Tavern, which is just to the north of I-90 on Waterloo Road. Beachland Ballroom? Yes. Yep. I've this been to many a, concerts This is a there. fabulous live music venue. Uh, mm -hmm. 4.6 stars. I don't 
So who would downrate this place, quite frankly? Yeah, I love Beachland Ballroom. Um, and, and Beachland Ballroom is uh, it's kind of in a hub of what's growing up to be a, a little bit of an artsy district in North Collinwood, uh, just to the north of I-90. Uh, you've got a couple of, I don't know if you really have bars in the area, but uh, some of the buildings you know, have some cute little murals and, and art pieces on them. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you think that maybe this is becoming a little bit of uh, a bohemian-type uh, vibe for this area now, uh, kind of similar to what you had in Detroit Shoreway maybe five years ago before the major developers came in. Mm. So um, who knows? Maybe that will be in North Collinwood's future too if you go down the road four or five years. And then just down the road from there, um, along that same road, uh, right at the corner of East 185th Street, just north of I-90, is a really nice eatery, uh, Irish pub, actually, Muldoon Saloon and Eatery. Hmm. This place... Never been there. Uh, I've actually picked people up in my lift car from this place. 4.4 uh, stars on Google. It is a laid-back Irish bar with a large beer list, free popcorn. Uh, gotta love that. <laughs> and a very menu including pizza and barbecue. Steve loves his popcorn. Yes. <laughs> I I mean, making lizard, shout out, not in this neighborhood, right. but, you know, get free popcorn there. I'm not going to turn that down ever. So, yeah, Muldoon's is, is pretty highly rated, um, and they have reportedly some of the best corned beef you'll find on the east side of Cleveland as well, hmm. So with it being an Irish pub. So um, that's a spot you might want to check out. Again, it's literally not even a minute off of I-90. At East 185th Street. Yeah. I don't get over to the east side uh, as much as I should. Mm. But West Side or West Side? Yeah. Yeah, again, Collinwood is one of the more accessible neighborhoods, uh, again, with I-90 being right there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, racially speaking, again, this is a neighborhood that years and years ago used to be a white uh, union, you know, labor town area. It's it's now ever ever since the seventies and eighties it's been predominantly African American. So you will see a lot of locally owned um, African American businesses, mm-hmm. particularly in the south part of the neighborhood. The the historical, I, I guess, central point of the neighborhood. We talk about you know the, your main pivot points, your center points, um, used to be right along East One Eight One Fifty Second Street and St Clair Avenue. In fact, that's where Collinwood High School is, and you do have a major commercial complex there, but it's mostly like chain places for the most part um realistically you know this is that's the part of the the neighborhood that really if if you're not from there you you might get a you might think it's not that great and and to be honest i'd be hard pressed to tell you otherwise but um again there's a lot to like in this area particularly if you're up by the lake particularly if you're in that little artsy barksy corridor just to the north of i-90 um so we're going to put it on the board. That is that is Collinwood, the Railroaders. So that's which one? That's number... That is number four. Number four. Yep. And you could put number four... On the board! Put it on the board! Yes! We're not a Chicago podcast, but that's one of the greatest home run calls ever. It's that's the Chicago White Sox... Uh, play-by-play announcer. I have no problem co-opting that. I don't like anything else about the White Sox, but that, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So that is Better Know a Neighborhood. That is Collinwood. That's our first uh, 4A into the east side of Cleveland, mm-hmm. correct? Yes, it is. So, you can't really call Asia Town east side. That's, that's central. No, yeah, that's, that's yeah. An, that, yeah. yeah. 
so yeah, great. Thanks for doing that, Steve. Appreciate it. All right. Put another one on the board. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move right along here and let's talk about let's talk about the big event that happened uh, this past weekend. There was a there was a football game on Sunday, and yeah, Milan went to the top of the table. Hey. Forza lotta vincerà no ti lasceremo mai. Oh, wait, not sorry, the right not kind of football. About. Oops. Although I will say I woke I woke up at like 5:45 in the morning to watch that game cuz it was on at 6:30 a.m. Oh, man. Yeah. Dedication. So thank God they won because <laughs> <laughs> You imagine you get up at 5:45 and you know you crack open the orange juice or the coffee or whatever and and like yeah. you're orange just juice, barely even awake and like the other team takes the lead in the second minute. <laughs> well, if you're well, I'll tell you what. If you're a Sampdoria fan, that's what happened. <laughs> so, yeah, AC Milan top of the table, but that's not the big game I was talking about because, for the most part, I don't think anybody cares about my fandom of AC Milan or how they're doing in the table. But uh, I would love it if they did because I would love to talk more AC Milan. But eh, I don't think that's going to grow our audience very much. Nah. So anyway, we're talking about Super Bowl Fifty Six, which I will I will say, unless. I'll ask you, Steve, before we before we do anything else. How'd the field look? The field was impeccable. Absolutely. Well, everything about SoFi Stadium is impeccable, but that field paint, man, that stuff just looked vibrant. You know where TV. that field paint was made and yeah. manufactured? Uh-huh. Just off of uh, West 150th Street in, on the west side of Cleveland. Ladies and gentlemen, we are an all-things Cleveland podcast, and the paint that was painted on the Super Bowl field came from Cleveland, Ohio, my company, the company that I work for, Pioneer Athletics, that field looked freaking awesome. Shame I didn't do Bel Air Puritus tonight. Yeah, what the hell is the matter with you? <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I was I was super proud uh, of That's how the field in a looked. Future I'll tell you what, the uh, the Super Bowl logos on the 25-yard lines didn't even look like they were real. Yeah, didn't they look hologram-y? They were not. That was paint. <laughs> that was paint. That was That's made about 100 feet from where my office is. So that is that. Super Bowl field looked great. Um, kind of overshadowed anything that happened uh, on the field. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, we had, I will say this, we had a pretty damn good Super Bowl this year. I thought it was a really just good about game. Everything about it lived up to its billing. The game, the game was great. The halftime show was oh, great. Oh, the halftime show was awesome. I mean, I mean, did that not take you back to, like, high school? The response on Twitter was just unbelievable. Did like, that not take you back to, like, they, middle school and high school? And you know what? I'm not, like, big rap music guy, but, like, you know, seeing people like Mary J. Blige and Eminem, like, and then ultimately Kendrick Lamar and some of these later ones, it just it was a whole different, like, one era to the next. Uh, I really love that aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and every performance was awesome. You know, I, maybe it's because I was living under a rock. I didn't expect 50 Cent to be part of the halftime show. I will say uh, uh, that that dude needs to, ch- need to change his name from Fifty Cent to a hundred dollar bill because he was he looked uh, he looked a little <laughs> he looked like he was stung by a hundred bees. <laughs> he was. I mean, if you, <laughs> you look at a <laughs> you look at a picture of him from like twenty years ago when like that song came out, and then now, holy crap! He looked like either that or he looked like he's had like like he's eating chicken McNuggets every day for like the last twenty years. Was was that Fifty Cent or was that Steve-O from when he got stung by all those bees in in Jackass Forever? Oh God, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not gonna say where. <laughs> I loved. Uh, I I love that that that's the halftime show. I will say that. 
I don't think it's the best ever. Um, like a lot of people that haven't said that that said it it wasn't the best ever, said that uh, Prince uh, had the best halftime show ever. I agree with that. I I I didn't see Prince's halftime show live, and I, nor I don't don't that was remember. Was Super it. Bowl forty one, I believe. But it's but it was. Um, yeah, because it rained that it, it was rainy all that Super Bowl, and he did Purple Rain. Purple Rain in the rain. Pretty cool. Uh, the sim- yeah, that was great. Uh, but you can watch you can watch all the halftime shows on YouTube. So I've watched, especially after the game, like the last couple of days, I've been watching like Super Bowl halftime shows, like crazy, and that one is fantastic. Mm. Um, but uh, what would your favorite halftime show be? Well, prior to this year, um, I mean, I probably had. For me, it was it's down between Bruno Mars and Katy Perry. Bruno thought, Mars was fantastic. I thought both of them were fabulous, um, even though Katy got overshadowed by sharks. Left shark, which, which I thought was hilarious. Left shark, yeah. Uh, uh, but, but yeah. I, uh, uh, one that I don't think gets as much credit that I really liked, and this is just personal preference because I I'm, I'm such a big fan of him, uh, Justin Timberlake. Oh, he did uh, a great job. Super Bowl. Is that Super Bowl Fifty Two? Two or fifty-three, the one that was in Minneapolis. Fifty-two, yeah, fifty-three was Maroon Five. Yeah, that was that was also another good one. Uh, but yeah, this year was just great. I mean, it was in L.A. I mean, who else are you gonna have than Dr. Dre, Snoop? Like, who else are you gonna have? I, and obviously, yeah, you know, Eminem's from Detroit, but he has he has the connection with Dr. Dre, so obviously he was gonna be a part of it. I thought. Uh, I thought that Snoop stole the show. I, he was fantastic. The crip walking, he just looked like he was having so much fun. Um, you know, Dr. Dre is Dr. Dre, and you know, it's almost a small miracle that Dr. Dre was up there performing because a couple years ago, remember, he had those massive health issues. He almost lost his life. Yeah. Um, so it was great to see up him up there performing. Uh, Kendrick Lamar was great. You know, he's not part of that like. 90s LA like you know rap culture whatever well, he's the one that represents now and, and but he was fantastic and, he, and he's right from Compton you know? he was absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. uh, Mary J. Blige was great uh, yeah I just there was nothing bad about it nothing nothing bad about it I thought it was great the NFL finally did Eminem a solid for basically stiffing him when he was in his prime and they had the Super Bowl in Detroit you know and they had did the halftime show that year? The Rolling Stones. Oh, and you and your dad were there. Your dad had to be on cloud freaking nine. He was on cloud freaking nine. Yes, he was. Oh, man. The Stones. Like his favorite band of all time, <laughs> practically. The Stones. Oh, which, it's fantastic. Which was the highlight of the game of the day because the game totally sucked. Shout out Philly fan. Well, yeah. <laughs> effing Steelers. God, <laughs> I'd play the thing, but they won. So I mean, I no. We don't need to dwell on that. But uh, yeah, so they, they they did Eminem a solid. They did all of these you know, artists a solid. Um, L.A. This this was where hip hop more or less originated. Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna play it. Oh, Never except mind. no, my phone's not working. So, are you gonna say? Well, hold on. Here's what we should be saying right now. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Cincinnati. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Nope. Good morning, good afternoon. 
It was always Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, now we're getting to the game here. Uh, boy. The Bengals put on a good show. I'll, I'll give them that. The Bengals put on a good show. I will say this, and I'm sure that if there are Cincinnati people listening to this podcast, they're probably going to label me a hater. Oh, they've labeled you a hater long before this. I don't fully under. I, I understand it to a degree. I think I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Not sure where you're going with this, so I can't even help you. I don't understand all the hype with Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, based on Joe this Burrow, game and Joe the game Burrow previous, I completely agree with Joe you. Burrow is not the reason why they they went they they got to the Super Bowl. He's not. He's not the reason. Like he didn't do anything to hinder them getting the Super Bowl. But the Bengals got to the Super Bowl because of their defense and the way their defense played. Absolutely. And I thought their defense actually played a pretty good game uh, in uh, in this game, in the Super Bowl. Um, in the end, I think the better quarterback won. And I think that the better team won in the end, obviously. You know, so much, so much talk is labeled and I don't want to bring this on the Browns but you know we're a Cleveland podcast but so much is brought on the Browns and Baker Mayfield the quarterback for not being able to get it done in the fourth quarter that's exactly what happened with Joe Burrow Joe Burrow down three giving the ball back uh, had the opportunity to go win the Super Bowl with a touchdown drive even a field goal drive take it to overtime yep and he was not able to do it so this is this is this is a perfect example is when Baker doesn't do it he gets labeled and he gets criticized I think unfairly Now when this happens to Joe Burrow in the in the Super Bowl nobody calls him nobody calls him uh, a choke artist nobody says he's overrated nobody says anything like that and I agree with that I don't think that we should grade these quarterbacks ultimately on one drive in the fourth quarter. Now, if you're able to do it consistently, you're one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If you're able to do things like that consistently at the end of games and fourth quarters, a la Tom Brady. And people people this season, with the way that he was playing in the regular season, were calling, Tom, were calling Joe Burrow a young Tom Brady. So he did not live up to those expectations because he didn't do what Tom Brady does almost every single time, which is you give Tom Brady the ball with, with uh, down a score or less than a score with two minutes to go in a game like that. You best believe Tom Brady's going down the field. He did it quite a few times. I mean, you, you look at Super Bowl 51, Joe you know, Burrow, that, that humongous comeback against the Falcons. Joe Burrow didn't do that. You know who did do that? You know the guy... I. I'm gonna go back and find the episode and the and the and and the the audio and post it on social media. When the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford, I immediately said that they were a top contender to win the Super Bowl. I recall this. A hundred percent. You know, obviously he didn't have much playoff uh success or experience really in Detroit. You can't put that on Matt Stafford. No. But 
I think Matthew Stafford has consistently in his career, because of the team he plays for, because of the situation he was in, has been one of the most underrated quarterbacks in this generation of quarterbacks. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think Matt Stafford is a top five quarterback in this league. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Probably around five. But I think he's, you know, after the the Mahomes, the Josh Allens, and all that, I think I, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think he's right there. And he solidified his Hall of Fame resume by winning the Super Bowl, in the fa- especially in the fashion that he did. It was the fourth quarter. The Rams were down a score. They needed a drive. They they looked good early on. OBJ got hurt, and the Rams' offense completely sputtered the rest of the game until that fourth quarter. Oh, uh, yeah. This this game could have definitely been even more in the Rams' favor had had Beckham not gone out. I mean, that, yeah, that I don't really that really um, threw a severe monkey wrench in their game plan. Right, no because doubt. you think about it, when Odell got hurt, they didn't just lose their number two target. They were they already came into this game down their number three target and Tyler Higby. He did not play in the game. Yep. So when OBJ gets hurt, they're down their their second and third options on offense in the passing game. Yeah, guess who's not getting open at that point? Right. Guess who's getting triple teamed? It's Cooper Cup. Yeah. And, you know, the Rams did some things in the fourth quarter to be able to get him open and my God, did they? No, none, none better than that no look pass from uh, Matt Stafford. That was that's an unbelievable of, play. Given the game and given the circumstance, I think that's one of the best throws in NFL history. Looking over to the right and then throwing over the middle, and, you know, every, and throwing a dart. Everybody gives Patrick Mahomes all the credit for these for these no look pass passes that he makes, sidearm throws these, or whatever. But, but most throws. of most of them are like two yard throws where he's just like he's looking this way and just like flips it that way. Or, you know, he hits Travis Kelsey, who's wide open, five yards. That was a 25-yard. It's, it's not a 25-yard pass down the field. That was a 25-yard strike. And I'll tell you what, that pass does not get completed if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't make it no-look because him no-looking, he was looking at the receiver that was doing a quick curl, which pulled the safety down, which opened up that window uh, for Cooper Cup to get in there. And it was just a perfect throw. Oh, my God. I mean. Well, you okay, so – after the divisional round, you asked, was his deep throw the Cooper Cup that knocked out Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, was that the moment that it was going to be replayed over and over? And maybe that moment does get replayed. Probably not more than that one. No, though. no. Given the, given the, like, that wasn't a throw. Like, like the, 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 the one against Tampa Bay was also in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. Yep. But this throw was not a throw in, like, the second quarter. This was the drive where you had like You don't get to a touchdown this drive, you're done. Pretty much, because they missed the extra point earlier in the game, which which made it a four-point game in the fourth quarter. Which, as you already had said last week, the Rams' kicking situation could be very well the thing that cost them the game, and it almost did. Well, yeah, and I'll say that, and I'm not going to put this on the kicker because the, the, the holder just dropped the ball. So it's not on the kicker. but For once, he gets a pass. Yeah, that... That throw by Matt Stafford, I mean, that's what they're going to play when, when you know, five years after he retires when he goes into Canton. Yeah. I mean, he 100% solidified his Hall of Fame uh, step because— Oh, you got to put him in now. Oh, and, and and because he's going to play another five to seven years. You know, quarterbacks now play until they're 40. You know, Minimum. he's he's 30, he's 32, 33 If they're that old. good. Yeah. Right, and I think he's that good. I think yeah. Matt Stafford is that good. I would, and just for the record, I would put him in that you know Josh Allen, 
Patrick Mahomes tier. I, I think he if is he, that good. If he retired today and said, you know what, I won the Super Bowl, I'm done, is he going in? Yeah, I think he does. I think so, too. Narrowly, but I think he does. I think so, too. In the fashion that he won that, like, I know Cooper Cup got the MVP, and well-deserved Cooper Cup. I mean, on that final drive, he what did he make, like, six catches and ended up catching the game-winning touchdown drive, or game-winning touchdown pass? Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't his only touchdown in the game. I was like, when they when they first announced Cooper Cup, I was a little bit miffed. I'm like, how do you not give it to Matt Stafford? But then I realized he had multiple touchdowns in that game. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So the uh, the field won that bet. Quarterback or the field for MVP. Yeah. yeah. How about that? That was in that our was prop a, bets. You know, so so I, I feel good about that one. I mean, they, I, this, oddly enough, though, they could have given it to Stafford, and I don't think anybody would have complained. Right. To be honest. There were three guys, I think, that were that were worthy of winning the MVP on that team. Yeah. It was those two and Aaron Donald. Yeah. Oh, you definitely could have given it to I mean, we too. We still got to talk about that, but mm-hmm. I will say – uh, we didn't. We didn't. I don't think we predicted what color the Gatorade bath was going to be. But what? We did what, not. what color did you think it was going to be? My thought was yellow. Because, yellow. Lemon lime. Because I thought the Rams were going to win the game. I thought it was going to be yellow. Yeah, I was thinking orange. I was going with the classic stock orange, but it mm. it ended up being blue. Orange probably would have been if the Bengals had won the game. I don't. I don't. I don't think they're they're thinking that much of it, but. <laughs> Yeah, it ended up being blue. So if uh, any of you guys out there bet blue as your prop bet for the uh, for the Gatorade color, kudos. So was it the cool blue or the Riptide Rush? It was the cool blue. Mm. Yeah, it was not Riptide Rush. Riptide Rush is more like a like a like a off purple. Oh yeah, that one is the off purple. I forget more than which one's blue. the off blue, like Glacier or something. Like something that. like Glacier that, yeah. Frost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what other prop bets do we have? Coin toss. We yeah, the other coin toss. That was heads. I missed that one. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any others. We had, uh, in fact, I have the notes right here from oh, pulled previous up. episode. Uh, hey, look at, look, look at the preparation. So, yeah, length of the national anthem. Um, with The over-under was a minute and 35. Do we know if that was over or under? I th- I want to say it was 98 seconds. but I So the over would have hit just barely on that one. I could be wrong on that. I had the under, I thought I so saw I would have missed it. Yeah, I thought I saw 98 seconds, but I could be wrong. Number of punts in the game was oh, six and to... a half. I don't remember how many punts. The Rams actually game. had a decent amount of punts. So that the, that was probably the over. Yeah, I think, or, or if not, it, well, it couldn't have pushed. It was six and a half, but it was right there. If I recall, I think we both had the over on that one. I know the Rams punted four or five times. Outcome of the first challenge of the game. Oh jeez. I don't even remember what that was. Yeah, I don't remember that. Hmm. Will there be a two point conversion attempt in the game? There was not. There was not. I no. And I had I had no for that one. And yeah. That was that was correct. I think I had yes. Yeah, you had yes. Yeah. Uh total players to attempt to pass. Well, that was over two and a half. That 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 was a yeah. win for both of us. Yeah. The the Bengals got a touchdown on that one. Yep. And then, uh, Wait, did we both bet yes on that? We both bet yes. A no, number of missed kicks. Well, this, I, yeah, I don't know if that's actually an over or under because technically it wasn't even a kick because the holder didn't even get the ball off. That's true. Um, it wasn't even a, an attempt, so I don't think you. Ca- I don't think you. Yeah. I so, so it. that one might have been the under just on a technicality. Yeah, that was a miss. Fiddy, diddy, diddy. Then the only other one left was shortest touchdown. Um, 
Was there a touchdown from one or two yards out in the game? Mm. I said there wasn't going to be. The 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 running back pass was like at the six. I'm trying to think. What was the Rams' first touchdown? Oh, that was OBJ. Yeah. So their touchdowns, they scored how many? They scored three in the game, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So Cooper Cup caught. Uh, where? Yeah, I don't know that. That that was. I don't think the Rams scored one from the one. I'm trying to think of the, the Bengals. Two. Bengals had a 75-yard touchdown. Uh, what was their other touchdown? It was another pat. Oh, it was the yeah no, there was no touchdown. Yeah, there was no goal line touchdown yeah. in this game, so the, the under <laughs> would have hit there. So I don't. I think we both had the over on that one actually. So yeah. neither one got that right. So it was like it's kind of a mixed bag mixed on bag. both of us for for the prop bets. Yeah. Um, I gotta I gotta say this, and uh, we gotta talk about this. Um, is Aaron Donald the greatest defensive football player in NFL history? Oh, in NFL history? Ooh. I mean, there, he, there he's are, getting into that company there for are, sure. There are, and now he's got a ring, too. There are two for sure that I know are right up there. And I, I can't decide whether – see, the thing for me is I don't know that he has the longevity yet. He's played in the NFL now for eight years. Yeah. But he's essentially been an all-pro like every single year. Um. Man, and the two I'm talking about, Lawrence Taylor and Reggie okay. White, those are the two that okay. I I don't know if I can put him. The other one that I was thinking of was Ed Reed. Oh yeah, but I uh, think I would take Aaron Donald. Oh man, that's to tough, go back though. further. You know, you talk about guys like Dick Buckus or yeah. Uh, uh, I don't think Jack he's Tatum there or guys like that. I don't think he's there yet. I think if he plays a few more years on this level and maybe wins another Super Bowl, I think you can put him above that. But damn, is he good? I mean, he's without a doubt the the best defensive player in the league today. I mean, without a doubt. About in in recent times, the only two other guys I can think of that are sure like okay, they might be in the discussion. One's Troy Polamalu, yeah. and and the other is Condom Man. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Lewis. <laughs> I I refuse to say that man's name. Oh, oh, you guys don't know that, but that's a that's a college inside joke right there. Oh boy, boy. The the another actually one other guy I just thought of who was who, you know what didn't the, even play that long probably hurt himself with not longevity. Patrick Willis. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's in there just because of his. Retired too early. Well, injuries forced him to retire. Um, yeah, I mean, Charles Woodson is also up there. Yeah, uh, you're talking about corners. He's, yeah, he's Deion def- Sanders. Him and Champ Bailey are probably my top Champ two. Champ Bailey, Deion Sanders, yeah. Deion as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's so tough. It's so tough to, like, cross positions and be like – like, it's easy with, like, a quarterback because, like, a quarterback, bar none, quarterback has the most responsibility – uh, you know, they're they touch the ball on every play. Like the importance of quarterback on the offensive side of the ball is unmatched. But like on defense, you could go pass rusher. Like Aaron Donald is a pass rusher and a defensive tackle. You go linebacker. You go safety. You go corner. Like you can share responsibility on every level, and that's tougher on defense. Um, he's definitely the best in today's game, and I'll tell you what, especially in that second half. 
That guy was an absolute animal. And I know the Bengals' offensive line is trash, but my God. You know, what on earth were the Bengals doing on that fourth down play at the end of the game in shotgun? If you're going to throw that ball, that's catch the snap, throw immediately to whoever. With Aaron Donald on the field knowing it's fourth down, the Super Bowl is on the line, and he knows he can go make a play to win the Super Bowl, you cannot snap that ball and have Joe Burrow just sit, especially after uh, a little bit earlier in the game, he took that uh, shot to the knee and looked like that he wasn't going to come back into the game. He was From that point on, when he came back in and refused medical attention and came back into the game, he was an immobile statue back there. He could not move. I thought when the Bengals came out in shotgun and no extra guys in the block on that play, I my immediate thought was quarterback draw. Yeah, they, they were trying to get Donald and the Rams defenders up the field quickly, pin their ears back, and then they were going to draw it. I think I think what the Rams were thinking though is they're like that like that play is not available because of uh, Burrow's knee at that point. He was not moving. Which is also why I thought it was coming, because they were least expecting it. True, but I just don't think he was physically capable of doing it. Mm. Um, so, as soon as they lined up in shotgun, I'm like, oh boy. So they snapped the ball, fourth down, and Aaron Donald uh, just shucked, like a like an ear of corn. Just shucked whoever was trying to, was trying to block him, and was just in Joe Burrow's grill immediately. Mm. And just threw him to the ground. And that not to be outdone, the third down play, where it looked almost certain as that play was developing that uh, Samaj P. Ryan was going to pick up that first down. And Aaron Donald grabbed him by the hip and just pulled him back and didn't allow him to get the, the yard that he needed to get the first down. If that happens, if Samaj P. Ryan gets the yard on that third down play, at the very least, that game was going to overtime. Probably, yeah. So Aaron Donald made two plays. Field goal range. Aaron Donald made two plays. So I mean, for the Rams, you could have given it to any of three guys, and I don't think there would have been an issue with any of them: Stafford, Cup, who eventually got it, and then Aaron Donald. Um, yeah. I... You know, it's funny what you were talking about. You know, Aaron Donald in this best ever discussion. I'm just going to read off some of the names that have recently gone into the the Pro Football Hall, Hall of Fame on the defensive side. Uh, from 2022, you had Leroy Butler, you had Sam Mills, you had Richard Seymour. Mm. Uh, 2021, you had John Lynch. Mm-hmm. There's a name I we could have mentioned him. Uh, and Charles Woodson were both 2021. Yeah. 2020, Steve Atwater. Uh, Bobby Dillon and Cliff Harris. Those are two guys I don't really know. Uh, Troy Polamalu, who I mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, Champ Bailey was 2019. Ty Law was 2019. And as was Ed Reed. Well, you talk about a defensive backfield going in in one Hall of Fame class. Jeez, oh, man. Some Absolutely. real names there. 2018, you had, well, Ray Lewis. And then you had uh, Brian Erlacher. man. Brian mm-hmm. Brian Urlacher was also in that class, as was Brian Dawkins. So, yeah. I mean, so th- these really, you can't, um, all those names I just mentioned, like aside from the two guys that were from like way, way back who I don't really know, those are all like, you hear those names and you're like, oh, yeah, they're in. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And Aaron Donald is definitely in that class. And, and you know what? Oh, God, yeah. A few more years, and he's going to be above all those guys in, in level. By the way, since we're talking about the Hall of Fame, real quick, can I say that uh, Tom Brady is now partially on my good side? And why is this? So there are two Hall of Fame quarterbacks that decided to retire this year. Okay. Both of which, in five years, will be going to the Canton. Hmm. You know who everybody's going to be talking about? Tom Brady. Yes. You know who everybody's not going to be talking about? The suspension. Tom Brady, over <laughs> by retiring the same year as Ben Roethlisberger, is going to overshadow Big Ben and just make it seem like he, he's not even there. That's fantastic. I mean, because really, it is going to be Brady Fest in yeah. Canton in August of 2027. And, I and, will, and nobody's, nobody's going to care about Roethlisberger. I will say it is disgusting how many Steelers fans uh, uh, go into it because it's not that far away. Go into uh, Canton. Uh, anytime there's a Steeler uh, Steeler player that's up for the Hall of Fame uh, on that weekend, so it's gonna be great. It's gonna be everybody's gonna be going there thinking, "Oh yeah, shower Ben with praise, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame." He's gonna probably be one of the first guys to give a speech that day. You know, it's gonna be last. Tom Brady. I gotta be honest. If if this was if the NFL was like WWE, you know, deciding who's gonna go on first, who's gonna go on last, they probably would have Ben go first. You know, just to lead things off and keep them as far away from Brady as possible. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to bring that up because you talked, you brought up the Hall of Fame. So. Yeah. Thank you, Tom, for that. Tom. Hey, Tom. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So another interesting question I wanted to uh, bring up before we go ahead and uh, uh, put a bow on the Super Bowl talk. Do you think Joe Burrow's the next Dan Marino? Yeah, everybody talks about how he, how he compares to Tom Brady and all that. That's a really good analogy. Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl with the Miami Dolphins in his second year. Early in his career. Second yes. year. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl with the Bengals in his second year. Dan Marino never got back to the Super Bowl. And and this is a nut, this is an even greater analogy because they didn't technically play in their home stadium, but San Francisco 49ers beat Miami Dolphins in that Super Bowl. Again, they didn't technically play a candlestick. They played across the bay in Palo Alto at the, the at Stanford Stadium. Yeah. Uh, so, in reality, you, we really ought to consider the 49ers, what was that, 84, I think? I um, so. As the first team to win the Super Bowl at home, even though it wasn't technically at home. It was a stone's throw from it. Yeah. And what happened this wasn't year? Wasn't home stadium. For the, sec- for the second year in a row, home, home team, team wins, the wins the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So, I mean, it's uncanny. You know, this is this is again. This is going to be me labeled as a hater because, you know, far be it from me to to not like a division rival and not root for them. Even though half the people in this town decided, oh, Joe Burrow's from Ohio and the Bengals never win anything, so they're from Ohio, so we got to root for them. Get the hell out of here with that nonsense. I'm glad the Bengals lost. I'm glad the Bengals lost in excruciating fashion by giving up a fourth-quarter touchdown drive and then them having the same opportunity to go down and win the game and their golden boy quarterback couldn't get it done. Sorry. I'm so glad the Bengals lost on Sunday. Because you know what would have happened if the Bengals won? You know what would have happened the first time or, or when the Bengals come to play in Cleveland next year? 
Who day? Who day? Who day think I'll beat them Bengals? Super Bowl champs, baby! Bump that. That was a nice Dick Vital impression right yeah. there. <laughs> Shout out Dickie V. He was in the hospital with cancer treatments and surgery, I guess, this week. Hmm. Um, yeah, F that, dude. F that noise. I'm a Browns fan. I'm from Cleveland. You know, uh, people forget that, uh, was it Sam Weish? I think Sam Weish, right? Yeah. Sam Weish, in a game, in a Cincinnati Bengals game, when the crowd was getting too rowdy, grabbed a mic and said, uh, uh, b- act up, you're from Cincinnati, you're not from Cleveland. Like, I don't understand this whole, like, oh, it's, oh go Ohio. Like, I, I love Ohio. Get the hell out of here. I'm so glad that the Bengals lost. I rooted for a team with Odell Beckham Jr. on it because I didn't want the Bengals to win. And, oh, that's another thing. By the way, I'm gloating at the fact that the Bengals lost. If you're gloating at the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt, tore his, retore his ACL, and wasn't able to finish the game, you're an asshole. Yeah, straight up. A complete dickhead. Pardon my language. Totally. I mean, I don't like OBJ. I don't like how it ended in Cleveland. I'm never, ever going to root for a player to get injured. I don't care who it is. Ben Roethlisberger, I hate Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not going to be happy and cheery and all that if he got hurt in this. Well, it is Ben Roethlisberger. He does play for the Steelers. But no, no, no. No, that's not. No, 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 no. But I just think it's weird. Like, you know, we got. I've just been complaining about Browns fans who are rooting for, for Cincinnati. Equally as stupid, I think, is for people to gloat in the fact that a guy gets injured uh, playing in the Super Bowl just because he forced his way out of Cleveland. That's just extremely mean-spirited. And you know what? It's also completely idiotic because guess what? Yeah, he got hurt in the heat of battle. Fine. Oh, can we also— He got a ring. Can we also— He got a ring. Can we also talk about— uh, He's laughing at you. Can we also— Sitting on your couch. Can we also talk about the the national media— and their uh, supposed obsession on Super Bowl Sunday to try and paint the whole Odell Beckham Jr. Cleveland Browns divorce as the Browns threw him out on the curb. Chris Collinsworth mentioned it like five times during the Super Bowl broadcast. And then after the game, you have people like Carrie Champion, who I really like, I think she's great at what she does, tweet like, OBJ gets uh, thrown out on the curb by Cleveland. Now he's a Super Bowl champion. Do these people not understand what actually happened, or they just not care? I don't think they care. It fits a narrative, and that's all they're going for in the moment. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's nothing. The Browns did everything right by OBJ. Everything. Andrew Barry, when they were going to release him after OBJ asked for his release... Let's not forget that he asked to be released by the Browns. The Browns did not just straight up cut him. Andrew Barry did everything he possibly could to make the the divorce of OBJ and the Browns as amicable as amicable as possible. He made it so OBJ could get as much money as he possibly could as possible on his contract, and he made it so that OBJ could go to any team by making his contract the remainder of it as affordable as possible to cash-strapped teams like the one he went to in Los Angeles and ended up winning a freaking Super Bowl. 
Odell Beckham Jr. should send Andrew Barry and the Cleveland Browns a freaking bouquet for the way that they handled uh, him and his exit from the Cleveland Browns. He got everything he wanted. The Browns and I said that at the time. Any, the Browns could not have done anything better by him. Nothing. They could nothing. They, they and I advocated for this at the time. They could have just sat him down and said, "You're not going anywhere until the, after the season." Hundred percent. And you know, honestly, if they had done that, the Bengals might have a Super Bowl ring right now. <laughs> True. <laughs> so True. I the, mean, let's let let let's put it out there for what it is. Uh, the the Rams won by three points. Odell Beckham Jr. caught a touchdown pass. You could also maybe make a case that the San Francisco 49ers could also have a ring, too. Mm. <laughs> Very much so. You know, based on how those last couple games turned out. But yeah. uh, be that as it may, yeah, Beckham got exactly what he wanted. All the national media and all, certainly all the L.A. media cares about is, you know, pass-fail. Did you win or not? Yeah. Success. I mean, that's it's glitz and glamour and success. That's what L.A. is about. Yeah. And, you know, he's got it. He got it done. You know, yeah, even, so even all that ruptured his knee. Who knows what kind of a career he's going to have going forward from here? But I mean, so he all that the, all that he talk, the top of the mountain. All that talk during the game just made me sick, absolutely sick. And you know, the weirdest part is that Chris Collinsworth is usually not the <laughs> guy who has a huge axe to grind. Well, so here, like, so here's the, I don't. He's think a Cincinnati guy, so like, I, I no, I don't think that's it. I don't think it's the axe to grind. I think that these the national media. And no fault of their own. They're not paid to cover the Browns every day. They're no. not local media. Mm-mm. So they don't they don't really know exactly like like what happened with this whole OBJ Browns divorce as it happened minute by minute live. They don't know what happened. What I think happened was uh they got information from Odell Beckham's camp as to exactly what happened. I'm not saying that this is Odell, like, from his mouth. I'm saying that this is from maybe from his handlers, from, you know, his marketing team. Like, obviously, they're not going to – they're going to want to make OBJ look as good as possible. Sure. So this redemption story that he's been on is only fueled by portraying the Browns in a bad light by getting rid of him. I think that's more of the core of this than anything else. And, again, I don't think that's OBJ. I think OBJ just went out and played. But the people that are around him, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, his dad put out his his dad retweeted or whatever on Instagram, whatever the hell you call it, uh, shared a 12 minute video of OBJ getting open, which is which was the the grease to the skids to get him out of Cleveland. So I don't think that the people around him are below putting out, like, as you said, a narrative. To portray him a certain way, so. Again, I don't, I don't hate OBJ. You know, I wasn't like actively rooting for him. He was on the team of the guy that I was actively rooting for. I was rooting for Matthew Stafford. Has not, it, and it really doesn't have anything to do with him playing against the Bengals. He could have been playing against the, the the Buffalo Bills, or well, I hate the Buffalo Bills this year. He could he could have been playing against you know the the Chiefs if the Chiefs would have beaten. Uh, the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. I've been rooting for Matthew Stafford. I'm a Matthew Stafford fan. I've always been. So that is where it lays, and the L.A. Rams are Super Bowl 56 champions. So that puts a bow on the NFL season. We do not have NFL football for another six and a half, seven months. Yeah, it was Saturday night. I was driving my lift car. I actually went past First Energy Stadium at one point, and I was just like, oh, well. 
going to be a while till September. Yeah. Yeah. It will be, but what's interesting is because the because the Super Bowl was a week later this year, um, you know, the combine is right around the corner, and then the new league year starts, and then free agency and trades happen. Uh, and the Browns need help on offense, especially at wide receiver and tight end. Yeah. So we'll see what they do. Uh, I think they need help at linebacker as well. And depending on the Jadevian Clowney situation, you know, he's going to be a free agent. So who knows if we bring him back, um, if they can agree to terms. Whoops. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Browns. But, uh, but yeah, let's uh, – Let's move on. I was starting to wonder if that was like a breaking news alert about one of these guys. Jeez. No. <laughs> well, Jadevian Clowney is going to be a free agent, so they're going to have to agree to a contract if if he comes back. And that's the that's the that's the meat and potatoes of it. But uh, well, let's transition. Let's go to uh, a Cleveland team that's actually playing right now and is winning games and is about to head into All Star break which is in our city. Yep, the All-Star game is going to be played here in five nights. And before that, of course, all the other events, uh, most notably my favorite part, the All-Star Saturday in four nights from now. All-Star Saturday, and the Cleveland Cavaliers are well represented all over the place, except for the three-point uh, contest, which is an absolute disaster. B.S. B.S. Good Love is not grief. In. But... Uh, you've got Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro in the Rising Stars Challenge, which is really cool. You have uh, the Cleveland representation in the Skills Challenge on All-Star Saturday Night, which is Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and uh, Evan Mobley. So that'll be fun. And then the All-Star Game, which we thought up until yesterday was just going to feature Darius Garland. But no, 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 no. Mr. James Harden uh, will not be participating in the All-Star game due to a hamstring injury. And named as his replacement is Cavaliers center Jarrett Allen. Very well deserved. So the Cavaliers have two All-Stars. When was the last time the Cavs had two All-Stars and one of them was not LeBron James? Has that did, ever happened? Did Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving both make it one year? Uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving have never played together without LeBron. Oh, well, you said did we have two besides LeBron. I was, I was oh, thinking, thinking in those terms. Did those three make it one year? I can't remember. I maybe. don't know. Could have been. Maybe yes, maybe no. But be that as it may, if you're talking about two on a team the Cavaliers had where LeBron James was not part of the team, you probably have to go back to Mark Price and Brad Doherty. I'm guessing both of them made it one year. Yeah, yeah, probably. And that would have been in the early 90s. Yeah, that would have been like 92, perhaps, or 93. 30 years ago. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, because I don't think any of the Mike Fratello teams had more than one All-Star on them. No. I know Z made it. Sean Kemp, Z, and uh, Terrell Brandon, I know, all made it at one point. But I think they, yeah, I think they all made it in different years. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, The last time the All-Star game was here, Terrell Brandon was our only All-Star. And 2009, LeBron and Mo Williams made it. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, very well deserved for Jared Allen. Shout out to him. Um, You know, super happy for him. He deserves it. And then, obviously, Darius Garland obviously deserves it. 
But yeah, the snub that I'm just not going to get past is Kevin Love not being in a three-point competition. I just cannot understand that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's uh it's uh It's terrible. I'm trying to think of a better descriptive word there, but I'm just I'm befuddled right now. Breaking news here. Um uh, unfortunately, the Cavaliers have gone down to defeat tonight. They've lost to the Hawks 124 to 116. That means they hit the All-Star break at 35 and 23. Yeah, I'll say this. It, it, I'm not overly too overly concerned about it because I, I I think the Cavs just needed the All Star break. I think a bunch of their players are just really tired. Um, over the last several games, I, I will say I've grown a little bit concerned with them on the defensive side of the ball. Well, they didn't have a very good night tonight. And that's their that's for sure. That's been their strong point all year. That's their that's their calling card. That's where they, you know, that's where they lay their hat on is is on the defensive side of the ball. And it hasn't been good recently. It hasn't been terrible. But I think the Cavs, because I think the Cavs struggle offensively. Some nights. They have to play good defense almost every night. And they haven't really been doing it. I thought I thought against the 76ers they played decent defense. They just let they just let Joel and B go off. And and sometimes there's nothing you can do to stop that. You're definitely not off base with this defense take. I mean, you you go back since January 30th, the Cavaliers have given up 113 points or more in four games. Yeah, uh, they lost three of them: uh, one to Atlanta tonight, one to Houston, who's terrible, one yep. to Detroit, which might be the worst team in the whole league. You know, and the, the Cavs started that Detroit game on a 15-0 run. They started the game on a 15-0 run, and they lost. Well, when you give up that many points, I mean, you give the team the other team a lot of chances to come back. True. But uh, the the other game in there was actually a, a one twenty to one thirteen win over Indiana, yeah, to, who also stinks. So <laughs> why they're giving up this many points to teams who stink? That's not a good trend. No. Uh, yeah. The, and again, it could be tired. It, it could be that they're tired. I mean, they've only given up less than a hundred points one time in their last seven games. That was against San Antonio on Wednesday yeah. night. It could be that they're tired. You know, I mean, defense is defense is above everything else is effort. So. It could be that they have some tired legs, and if if that's the case, the All Star the All Star break is coming at the perfect time. Absolutely, because uh, when when you talk about it, you got young when you got a lot of young guys like the Cavaliers do. You're only a few remo- few years removed from college. We're at fifty, you know, fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven games in. They don't play that many games in the college season. So yeah. when, when you get to this point of the year, I've, I've seen that there is fatigue legitimately. I've seen that with Evan Mobley over the last few weeks. I've seen him hit that proverbial rookie wall. Yeah. You know, he'll still have games where he'll put up, you know, 18 and 12, 20 and 12, something like that. But he's also had too many games over this last month or so where he scored like five. Yeah. It's um, just not going to get it done. No, I mean, he's a rookie. And like I said, I'm, this isn't me like being hard on the kid. It's his rookie season, and he's been outstanding for 90% of the season. But you start to see him maybe hit a rookie wall. So he he might benefit more of having this week off than, than it, even though he's going to participate in the uh, um, the yeah. skills challenge and the 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 uh, rising stars challenge. But it's at home, so he gets to sleep. Doesn't have to travel. He gets well, to sleep in his own bed. Coming back from Atlanta, I suppose. But yeah, and and the thing is, a few years back, the NBA extended all the All Star break. It used to right. be that after the All Star break, they were playing again by Tuesday. Cavaliers yeah. don't play again until Thursday of next week. Yep. So it's 
they did that because they wanted the stars to have a little bit of time off also. Week and a day off, yeah. In addition to, you know, all the regular players who, you know, got the, the time as it was. Certainly. So, and, and, you know, that's something the Players Association negotiated. Uh, and then when when they elected to start the season earlier back in October, uh, I think that, that change came, I think, in 2017. I don't think most of us like the idea of an even longer NBA regular well, season. Then, well, but then, it was done with the idea that there would be more off time for players, not just at all-star break, but also to limit back-to-backs. Back-to-backs and four games and five nights. Oh, they Those wanted the to do away ones. with that. Well, because, because the NBA was facing an epidemic of – uh, this load, this 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 uh, this load management, load management. Thing, where these teams would just hold their best players out on certain nights, and you know when you have thousands and thousands of people paying damn good money to come see these guys play, and they get to the arena and they find because some of the sometimes the these NBA teams wouldn't declare these guys out until like an hour before the game, right. So if you're if you're coming to Cleveland and the Lakers are coming and you think oh damn I'm gonna get the, and this didn't happen because LeBron's not gonna sit out a game in Cleveland, but you know just as an example, or or if you're if you're a Cavs fan you're coming to the Cavs game and the defending champion Bucks are coming to town, and you're paying this as a premium because the Cavs are pricing this as a premium game. Yep. And you come to the game thinking you're gonna see Giannis and Antetokounmpo and then. An hour before tip-off, you know, you're walking into the arena an hour before the game, and you're thinking, yeah, cool, I'm going to get to see Giannis. Hopefully we beat Giannis, whatever. And then you get to your seat, and you look up, and it says, out for tonight's game, uh, G. Adentacupo, dash, rest. You're like, what the hell? Some so, people will be like, what the hell? I'd be like, well, great, our chances of well, winning just <laughs> went up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I'm, t- I'm talking about, like, not this year. I'm talking about the two years previous to this when – when, All you cared about was seeing the stars. Yeah, we had nothing to play for. So it's like, all right, who's Giannis going to come in and dunk on? And nowhere was this more visible than in Philadelphia. Yeah, I had members of my extended family telling me all the time that you know during this period, you know, from like 2015 to 2019, the roughly, process. Yeah, during the trust the process era for the Sixers, that almost none of the teams played their stars in Philadelphia. Yeah, because they figured we're going to win this game even without them. So they, does they, you know, and sometimes yeah. they get caught. They roll snake eyes, but for for the most part, the Sixers were so bad they were going to beat them regardless of whether they played their stars or not. So the people in Philadelphia didn't even get to see good basketball from their own team or from the other team. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. So uh, I, what I think is cool is both of the Cavaliers are playing on Team LeBron. How loud is that place going to be when Darius Garland throws a lob to LeBron? Oh. Because you know you know that people are already fantasizing about the fact that LeBron's a free agent after next year. And they don't play any defense in the All-Star game generally. No. So, like, it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely it's going to happen. It's probably going to be one of the first possessions of the game. Or, or, or Garland's not a starter, but whenever he gets into the game, you know he's going to throw a lob to LeBron. They'll just be like, okay, guys, we're, we're going to do this play here. We're going to do this play there. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a little bit of WWE-style scripting going on yeah. probably oh, early in sure. the game. For sure. Yeah, and then like with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, they'll actually start to play defense because – If the game's you know, close. Yeah. 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 So, but anyway. Yeah, so All-Star Weekend is this weekend. Uh, get out and go. I, I, I'm not going to say get out and go to the festivities because, A, you probably can't get tickets, and, B, the tickets are probably outrageously priced. Um, like, I know 
uh, tickets in Loudville for the All-Star game and for All-Star Saturday night are in the thousands. Not surprised by so, that. But there are a lot of events out and about uh, in Cleveland this this weekend. So definitely get out, check that out, check out our city. Um, and, yeah, watch our city put on another show for one of these big events. It seems like, you know, everybody always says, uh, Cleveland, eh. But this city always shows out for these big events. We have had our fair share of these very big events in recent years. NBA Finals four times. We had the World Series in 2016. We had the Republican National Convention in 2016. The MLB Uh, All-Star Game in 2019. 2019, yep. Uh, We... I mean, Obviously, we have the NBA All Star Game this this week. I mean, give us a pass for twenty uh, the NFL Draft two thousand twenty one. That's another one. You know, and uh, hopefully, pretty the only soon. year we haven't had anything big here in, in recent years is two thousand twenty, and give us a big old pass on that <laughs> one because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, the entire world. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, and then hopefully, you know, next year we will uh, uh, have a home uh, NFL playoff game. I'm thinking more than one. God, from your lips to the Lord's ears, man. Oh, this Brown season, which is so – it was took years off my life. I didn't want to hear that. Oh. Just – We got to get a couple of playoff wins next year to boost you back up. Yeah, just the expe- – I mean, just the expectation and then just the letdown. I mean, normally you would think uh, – especially for a Browns team, you think 8-9, you know, that's not bad. That That's actually pretty good. A 500 year, whatever. It's we'll not take the that. end of the world. With the expectations we had this year and just the absolute just slogging through mud – talking about this quarterback situation on this team it was just oh my god it was just so draining but anyway hopefully that all changes next year and like you said we'll be hosting maybe a couple i will settle for playoff basketball in the meantime oh i can't wait there's nothing like it in this city than when the Cavs are good in the playoffs it is well mainly because uh outside the indians it's been the most recent that we've been able to experience but yeah i totally agree with you Playoff basketball back in Cleveland is going to be amazing. Despite this little two-game mini skid the Cavaliers have had, uh, yeah. they're still thirty-five and twenty-three. They are tied for third place in the conference. They'll actually be behind the 76ers in the loss column. The Bucks are actually tied with them on record now as well. But you three, four, five are all right there. Uh, the Cavs are two games behind Chicago and two and a half behind Miami for the conference lead. Pretty well positioned ahead of uh, Boston. And Toronto and Brooklyn, who are currently six, seven, and eight. Yep. So, presuming this doesn't turn into a really long losing streak, the Cavaliers should be fine. Uh, for me, the operative thing is to finish top six. That way, you don't get involved in that little mini tournament thing that they yeah. do now. Oh yeah. Uh, Avoid but, that, please. Yeah. I mean, now the, the way they structure it, if you finish seven and eight, all you gotta do is win one out of the two games to get in. So. Yep. And you get home field advantage for at least one of them if you're eight or for seven for both of them. So, I mean, yeah. it, maybe that's not the worst thing either. But, yeah, get, finish top six should be the objective at the very least. Yep. I'd love for them to finish in the top four so we get that first playoff game at home. Hey. That would be absolutely freaking electric. The first, the first home playoff game without LeBron since 1999. Eight, I think. Eight. Was it the 90, 98? 99 season? That was a lockout year, 99. You're right. Yeah. Well, no, lockout year was 99-2000, was it not? No. Okay, all right, yeah. The NBA confuses me with, when you have to split years and stuff. Okay, yeah, you're right, 97-98, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah. So, all right, yeah. My brain is mush, but anyway. So that's going to do it for us tonight on the podcast. Anything else? I forget. 
I forget anything else? No, nah, pretty nope. much not. Fat Tony Reale fact check on PTI. <laughs> <laughs> Time to find out where you messed up. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you can follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Uh, love you guys. Uh, thanks again for the support. Uh, it truly means everything. And, uh, yeah, we will see you guys next week. So for Twitterless Steve, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, episode 198. And we will catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye.